Welcome to Still Talking Uncut, where your host, Big Easy, Sean Rigsby. Hopefully you listen to us on Spotify, or you're checking us out live right now on YouTube. If not, click the live. Facebook? Yep, Facebook too. Click the live link at the top of the YouTube channel. You can watch all our episodes. I think this is uh, number 40. So, What's up there? We've had a few. Get, getting up there, huh? Hell right. So, you know, we was a minute late tonight. You know why. We'll skip that part. Uh, welcome our guest in, Mr. Hyde Buchanan. Welcome to the show. Thanks, boys. Pleasure to be here. In case you don't know, Hyde was a uh, repeat on Master Distiller at least twice. Twice. Twice, okay. Wasn't sure if, it, if there was a third time in there, so. Not yet. Had to ask. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they get you on there third time's a charm. Yeah, it eliminated because I'm too low, eliminated because I'm too high. <laughs> hey, third one's just right, you know. Exactly. <laughs> All right, before we get any farther in, what you drinking on, Sean? Well, I'm drinking on a few things. I'm drinking on some good old-fashioned Coke. And I'm also drinking on some. So, see, we went down to uh, <clears throat> or up to uh, Lawrence Prickard's Distillery in Ohio, and see what he does is he makes um, he runs labels for a lot of people that don't have them, and I really appreciate that. But one of them I got, which actually was, was very good, Paracorn Whiskey from Moonshiner Huck, and Moonshiner Huck is down in North Carolina. But uh, yeah, Huck from the show. Yes, sir. Nice. Moonshiner Hook. Hell right. And uh, it's just a little little taste of good liquor going down to North Carolina. You know what I mean? Nice. I'm, I'm going to keep it real. I would have lost my shit if you told me you was drinking Purple Jesus tonight. <laughs> I, I'd have lost my shit. <laughs> if, if you know, you know. Lord <laughs> have mercy. Man, look. I don't feel like walking 15 minutes to the sink, okay? <laughs> well, well, next on. question. What you drinking on over at Hyde? So I've got uh, 12% barley wine that was aged for 16 months and some rye barrels from the distillery that I work at with a floater of some apple brandy that I run at the distillery that I work at. <laughs> apple brandy, you say. You had, you had me at apple. You know, I said... uh Tell us about this apple brandy. You know, is it is it 100 apple? Yep. You, all right. Uh, what kind of apples are they? You know, it's um it's 100 apple cider. We get it fresh pressed from this local apple orchard and cider house in Blue Ridge called Mercier. And it's just take it, pitch the yeast into it. Nothing else is added to it. No yeast nutrient. No dap. No nothing. Just the juice and the yeast, and we let it ride. One hundred percent straight up. Nice. I mean, that's good flavor. I got a buddy Noble. He makes apple brandy, hundred percent apples, where he cuts them and crushes them and, and puts all that love into them, and you can really tell. So, you know, oh, yeah. me and Sean, we like brandy. We're brandy guys. So anytime somebody's talking about brandy, that's just that's where oh, we, that's yeah. what it is. So, brandy's Spe- probably one of my top favorite things to run. It's, it's my top favorite thing to drink. <laughs> and run, you know, <laughs> like, it, smell, it smells so good while it's fermenting, and and just everything about it, man. You know, to me, brandy, brandy over gray, <laughs> brandy's greater. So that's just Every how time. it is. Every time, 
But it's so when we when we was up there in uh up there in Napoleon, you know, I got a I got a jar of that of Lawrence's corn liquor because you know I got to get the clear corn liquor, and then I got a jar of bourbon, but that's not for me. That's for somebody else. So, uh, hey man, I like this corn liquor, and you know, I tell you, I was really surprised when we went up there, and that it's just a little small place. I it's told you. so small, like you would never expect it, and then it's like an old shower. <laughs> it's what it looks like. You just got this badass still in there with plates and shit, and. It's like, dude, he's making making magic out of this place, you know. Like, he's, and it just shows you, you know, it don't matter how big that place is, you know, like you can make it happen, no matter what the size. Like, I'm right. So it, it, it makes you feel like the old lady, I guess. So. <laughs> Plus, it's twelve forty four in the morning. <laughs> oh man. Tell us a little bit about your history, we, man. Yeah, we're going to try to keep us on track, man. Good luck. So, uh, my history with this in general, I was raised in a small town, small little college town in southwest Virginia called Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, the only thing to do in town was you could go to the local church, Thomas Road Baptist Church. You could go to the local college, Liberty University. Or you could do what we did, me and all my friends, is run around the woods, light shit on fire, and raise hell. So, that led to me getting involved with drinking a lot of moonshine. Because backwoods pit parties, that's, you know, that's what we had. Come to find out, my cousin out in West Virginia was making some. Just some cheer shine. He would pick up Everclear, make these great flavor combinations, proof it down. I was playing with it. Fast forward to 2019. I moved down to Georgia and I moved to Dawsonville, one of the moonshine capitals of the world. And I slowly start thinking, you know, maybe I should start getting into liquor making. My family's been doing it ever since we got over here on the second trip of the Mayflower. So one year I just got was like, screw it, I'm gonna bite the bullet. I picked up a 10 gallon all copper pot still from North Georgia Steel Company. Started running. Good companies, good stills. Love them to death. Love them to death. But I just kept working at it, working at it, working at it, studying it relentlessly. And then now, four, three or four years later after I've started distilling, I'm the head distiller of a local craft distillery here in town called Nofo Bruco and Distillery. Okay, and uh, what, uh, what town is that? Uh, it's in Cumming, Georgia. Coming, Georgia. Yep. Nice. That's cool. And God, that's the name <laughs> of the town. <laughs> but I've been to worse places. <laughs> Same. Gallup, yeah. Ohio. I will never forget. Well, there's always a gay West Virginia, too, but I don't know how many people live there. I mean... <laughs> oh, no, no. Gallup Police was just... Don't get me wrong. I love Ohio. I still got family who live up there. I'll just... I'll give Rigsby... A bunch of health in the Buckeyes, but I love the state of Ohio, but Gallipolis scared me. Why? It was, a, it was just a weird town, man. Going to a Walmart in Gallipolis, Ohio at like midnight trying to get beer. That was like Walmart people personified. <laughs> we enjoy was, it, you know. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't mean to really cut you off, but I heard you say one of the moonshine capitals of the world. Yes. 
Which one would you say is the most well-known? <clears throat> the one that I would say is probably the West, the most well-known. <laughs> and why? I would have to say the Appalachian Mountain Range in, in the state of Virginia, in southwest Virginia. In my mind, because in the in the world that I grew up in, that's that was always kind of the mecca. That's yeah, you're a, you're actually from Virginia, West Virginia, ain't you? Yeah, <clears throat> I'm originally from Southwest Virginia, but my mom's okay. side of the family is from West Virginia, the state. My dad is from Southwest Virginia. Okay. So for me, the most prolific moonshine capital of the world would be Franklin County, Virginia. But at the same time, I would say that the other capitals definitely have their high points over Franklin County. Right on. You know, like New Straitsville up near y'all has some of the most innovative flavor combinations that I've seen come out of it from the Ohio boys like y'all. Y'all have created some of the craziest flavorings and mash builds and mashups that just turn out beautiful. And then the state of Virginia has some of the best winter grains that I've ever had. And then down here in Georgia has been some of the brand, best brandies that I've ever had. Okay. So uh, do you um, so you do apple brandies? Do you get into like any apple jack or uh, ciders or anything like that? I mean... <clears throat> I've always thought about trying the apple jack, but I've never actually attempted the freeze distillation if i did i would probably do it on something like a little bit of a small scale but with how it's time with yeah. time it's a it's just time <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much time you know like you have to it's, do it so much yeah i mean it's worth it you know and it's cool as hell but it's just so much time and, and you know from yeah the, from the scientific aspect of it i would love to try it but just because of the time constraints, there's no way I'd be able to. With how with how often I'm running my still at work and how often I'm running around at work, I just there's no way I'd be able to. At least not right now. So tell us a little about about the uh, stills that you got running at work. What you what, what all you have going on there? So at work, I run <laughs> a 150 gallon Deutsche Brewing System hybrid pot still. It's a it can be ran as a single pot still, a pot still with a nine-play column, or a pot still with two nine-play columns going to a gin basket or to the condenser. Is that a, a steam jacket? 100% steam jacket. Nice. Super nice. Uh, the, the speed that steam jacket can strip liquor is crazy. I can burn through... 150 gallons of mash at 13% alcohol, get everything stripped out of it in eight, nine hours. Now, um, are, do you ferment on or off the grain? On, always on. on. And are, using the steam jacket, are you mm -hmm. distilling with your grain still in the pot? Are you separating it? From with the steam, I'll run with my grains in the pot, or at least I plan to. We haven't started the grain on grain fermentation and distillation yet but i am slowly working towards getting a bourbon program initiated and figured out i'm actually doing a bourbon tasting at work next week to start coming up with our bourbon mash bill nice 
store. You guys, uh, as far as um, distilling on the grain, is that something you plan on doing with, like, the apples, too? So with the apples, with how we have it set right now and how I do the apple brandy mash, there is some solid to it, but there's not a lot. There's just a little bit of the pulp gets through, a little bit of, you know, some of the fibrous material. But I would leave all of that in the pot. Yeah, that's from sourcing that cider in, some uh, some pieces get in there. Yeah, and it's it's great because it helps that fermentation along. It acts as its own natural nutrient. It helps the yeast break everything down, and it still helps that flavor profile build up and build up as it's working through its temperature. Hell yeah, man. So, um, as far as on a not a commercial scale <clears throat> what's your favorite size pot to run uh, or set up in non- general so on a non-commercial scale my favorite kind of pot to run would probably just be the, the classic uh, Kentucky pot still just all copper pot probably about 20 gallon your standard cap a 5 gallon thumper a five gallon worm, maybe a seven, you know, if I really want that extra cooling power in it. But I like to keep, if it's just something for, you know, I'm making a little batch at home or I want to test out a, a recipe at this point, I just want to test something. A 20 gallon with a thumper and a worm, easy to use, easy to build, easy to get. And it's just so, so nice to be able to just sit back and relax. Instead of having to monitor a steam jacket, monitor a column, monitor a temperature, they can just, okay, we're good. I'm going to sit back and yeah. have a cigar and wait. Right on. So when, uh, when you first started distilling, uh, what was you making? Like, what was your first thing you made? And then how long did it take you before you was like, man, I like brandy? <laughs> <laughs> so when I first got started, I... Remember, like it was yesterday. The first mash that I did, it was for 10 gallons. It was cracked corn from Tractor Supply, 25 pounds of sugar, and 10 gallons of water. Uncle Jesse, (laughs) keep it simple, man. I messed up, and I thought, oh, I'll use turbo yeast because this did. It wants it's going to be fine. There's no way this is going to do anything weird. So I fermented it, and then work got crazy. So I just let it sit, and it cleared. It's the only match that I've ever let go clear in my entire career of distilling. And then I ran it, and then I blended it, and I tasted it. And it tasted like wet dog and nail polish. And I'm 99% sure I vomited after drinking the first half pint. So my and next question is, if you re-ran that same mash now, would you think the same way of it? If I ran that mash today and let it clear again, if I did it the exact same way as I did before, probably. If I did it again but used a different yeast strain, maybe didn't let it clear and let it sit for as long, maybe use a higher quality corn. If I could rerun that recipe but with the improvements and the knowledge that I've gained over the past couple of years, I'm sure it would taste a thousand times better. Right. Well, I was wondering if uh, maybe you didn't. Did you do any cuts on that run, or 
I did one pint cuts out of all 10 gallons. So I did half a pint for four shot, one pint for head, and then everything after that first pint of head, I just took it and dumped it and took it and dumped it and took it and dumped it. Until I got so you fueled it. You fueled it. Yeah, that's what that's yeah, pretty much. I just took it and blended. I didn't even I wasn't I tasting it, I wasn't smelling it, and I was like, Oh, but yeah, it's still going. That, it's been a while since I get got the bus shoe's balls about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I haven't actually been I haven't had a lot of conversation with Shua, but he seems like a super cool dude. He actually helped me out of a little bit of conundrum with a rum mash that I was working on not too long ago. Oh really? He's a good dude, man. Uh, he's, I had a stuck rum fermentation. It stopped at like 1031. I was trying everything I could to get it moving again, and nothing was working. And he told me about uh, trying some glucoamylase on it and seeing if that kind of helped out a little bit. So I got some, pitched it in. It didn't help a lot, but the rum mash had been sitting there for like two weeks, stuck. But, excuse me, it did bump it down. Just a couple more points. So it's something that I've been kind of implementing, slowly trying to figure out a way to add it into my new rum mashes with some new yeast strains. Have you thought about throwing just throwing some barley in there? I did. I tossed in a little bit of, it was spent barley, but I was doing the spent as a nitrogen bomb to try to help the yeast along. Since molass- the molasses that I get is kind of lacking in that nitrogen, to act to help the yeast along in the process. So I took some spent barley, pilsner malt, <clears throat> and wheat. I tossed it in. And it's still kind of finished out pretty high in the 1020, 1030 range. But it was still it was a little bit lower than the first go around. Where'd you uh where do you start with your uh, starting gravity on that? It was like ten eighty eight, ten eighty nine. Uh, that's not, not terrible, too bad. Right. Huh. But I've always had problems with rum. Really? See, I've never, I've never, never messed with it. It's, it's a great spirit to learn on. It's a great spirit to make. But for some damn reason, every time I've made rum, other than the one test patch that I did before I went on Master Distiller the first time, ever since then, I've always had a problem making rum. Now, uh, what'd you make on your first run? Uh, when first time you went on Master Distiller, uh, what, what season was that? It was, uh, I was actually on Rigsby season. It was, uh, I was season two, episode three, my first go round. Okay, so you wasn't there when Rigsby was there. No, I missed uh, sweating vodka Rigsby puking in the garbage cans on set. I missed <laughs> okay. that. And it breaks Damn. my heart that I missed it. I know, man. I need, we have somebody on that can tell me about it. Nobody's been able to tell me. The goods on it. I just get it from him. Like, oh, I was drunk. Scott, I was sweating. Be on. Scott's going to be on. We're going to get uh, Scott and Thomas all in. We're going to do a, a four-person yes. deal. Yes. That's going to be beautiful to hear the story. <laughs> Finally. Somebody else could tell it how it really happened. Uh, <laughs> there's, always, there's always three sides to every story, you know. Yeah. There's Sean's side, somebody else's side, and what really happens. <laughs> We want to know what really happened. Yeah. I want to know for 
sure. Because right. right. anyways, what'd you make on your what'd you make the first time on? My bad. So, my first time on, um, my rum build, my rum mash build was molasses, dark brown sugar, and green sugar cane. So I would take my molasses, my dark brown sugar, toss it in the pot, boil it, try to invert it as much as I could with the dark brown sugar. But the whole sugar cane stalks, I would just skim the outside of it, chop it up into pieces and cook that in my mash water along with everything else. The sugarcane stalk itself still has a lot of natural sugars in it, and the fibrous material of the sugarcane itself kind of acts as a little bit of a nutrient for the yeast itself. It creates this really, really nice, warm, vanilla smoothness to the rum, which you would expect out of a rum, but it just kind of bumps it up that little bit more. But when I ran it at home, before I went on, I introduced uh, Omega Yeast's lactobacillus culture to it. Yeah, so, like Quebec or Quebec or whatever brand? Yeah. It was, um, it's, it comes in a little blue packet. You can pick it up at homebrew stores. But it was, I think it was either Omega Yeast or Omega Y Yeast. It was just a lactobacillus culture. So once the... EC1118, KV1116, and the DAGY yeast strains did their job eating through all the sugars and creating the alcohol. The lacto would attack all the unfermentable sugars and completely dry it out. Plus, with the lacto, it would just, you know, it completely opens up a Mashville's flavor and it just rips it apart. So, when I made it at people. home, it was great. Super flavorful, super smooth, all those fruity, nutty, caramely, rummy notes that you would expect. Then I rapid aged it on cardamom, coriander, star anise, orange peel, lime peel, clove, American white oak, a little bit of French oak, and a teaspoon of molasses just to kind of improve the flavor profile a little bit. How was that? Were you happy no, with that? I was, I was super happy with it. I even proofed it down with a little bit of coconut water, and it was just... Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so at your distillery, where you're at now, do they give you a little bit of full, you know, like full rain to kind of do, uh, try you know, try experiments on maybe a smaller pod or, or anything like that? Not right <clears throat> now. So what we do is I'll, I'll come up with an idea and I'll go to our head of distilling and brewing operations. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? We can do this, this, and this to create this kind of spirit. And then we'll take it, we'll take this idea, introduce it to a small select group of our customer base, and get their opinions on it. And if it goes well, then it'll go to the main bar. If it doesn't, then we'll cut it, bring it back, try to figure something else out with it, and then go from there. Okay. Hell yeah. So, Did you have any fermenting issues with your uh, your rum on your first time on? With, when I went and filmed, it actually stalled the day that I got eliminated. Like, it, I, 
the guy who was watching over our match came up to me right before we went into the the round of the competition where I got cut. I was like, hey, man, do you have any more of your yeast? Do you have any more of your nutrient? Your ferment has completely stopped. I only brought enough to get it started. I wasn't expecting a crash. I didn't add any sort of a stabilizer, no anything. Just rum stuff, yeast, nutrient. Then I went through the run. I got eliminated. I walked out, and as soon as I walked out of the offset, he came up to me. and was like, hey, man, I got your rum mash going. You're good. It's like, you can keep it. I'm going home. <laughs> I don't yeah. need it now. Appreciate you, you know. I appreciate your hard work, bro. Like, you're a G. Thanks, dog. You can run it. Yeah, like you know, keep it for next it time. Get, so. It ain't get wrong. It ain't get wrong. No, it didn't. It got, no. it got dragged, drug out back, and shot like an old dog. <laughs> uh, did you enjoy the experience your first time on? Oh my god, I loved it. It was it, it, to this day. I still look back at that with incredibly fond memories. I mean. Yeah, losing sucked. It was it hurt. But the friendships that I made, the connections that I made, everything that actually came from it, even came from what came from losing, eventually yeah. brought me to the or, point where I am now. It ain't always about winning, you know? No. Like sometimes losing is winning. <laughs> you know, like in this case it is. Sean. I did I did not purposely set you up for that. That was that's that's a nice play, man. That was a good play. Well done, well done, sir. Well done. I'll I tell everybody, anybody who asks, is like, how did you feel when you lost? It's, it, I I didn't lose. I didn't. I know. I didn't get the bragging rights or the title or the supposed jar at a major distillery. But you know, I gained. <laughs> An incredibly amazing group of friends who I can call on no matter what. I know I've I've hit Rigsby up numerous times. Like, hey man, I've got this problem going on. I don't know what to do. And immediately, within minutes, I know Sean will hit me back up with either a solution, an idea, or some way to help. And that's, that's what everybody about. does, man. That's yeah, exactly. You know, it's not about I mean, yeah, you go on, you try to win, but at the end of the day, man, you meet people, you learn, you make memories. Uh, it, it is what it is, man. Exactly. You know? <clears throat> so, did you apply to be on the first time, or did they just contact you out of the blue? Did somebody oh, apply no, for I, you? I applied. It was it was actually kind of funny. I was sitting on the couch watching Lawrence's episode, and I was scrolling through Facebook. And on one of the Moonshine pages, I saw an advert that said, we're looking for contestants for season two. So I showed it to my wife, Keisha. I was like, hey, look, they're casting. I wonder if I should apply. And Keisha is just punching my arm like, do it. Apply. Do it right now. I mean, why not? Yeah. Like, <laughs> why not? I was like, sure. It's not going to go anywhere. But I filled out the form. I sent it in. And then I did the Skype interview. And then it was like three months. And I was, uh, I was an electrician at the time. I was doing a job about 30 minutes away. And they called me and like, all right, so I've got you listed for Navy Strength Realm. Are you cool with that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I didn't even know I was coming on. When I'll, make me anything. <laughs> I'll make anything. I'll make anything. I'll fart in a bucket and turn it into liquor if you want me to. Let's go. 
and, so, uh, and, go ahead. Are you good? No, go ahead, man. All right. So um, they had you on a second time. Um, that was just that was real recent, right? Yeah, that was like what two, three weeks, two weeks ago. See, see I, I watch every show, but my memory is terrible, and I'll be I'll be texting Sean, and he'll be saying names. I'm like, dude, I don't know, who, I don't know who the names are yet, man. <laughs> I'm halfway through the show, I still don't know who the people are like. I don't know names yet. Like you know this, I don't know these people's names. I've only watched it for thirty minutes. <laughs> so you're season five, right? Yeah. So you're actually on Discovery Plus now. They did load up season five. Hey, sweet. I haven't got to see your episode, and I apologize. We don't have cable. Oh, that's uh, fine. I watched it. I just can't when, remember any of it. When, uh, you know, I'm just waiting for my check to come through from Sugarland so I can afford it. Hey. I'm telling you, man, you say the word. We'll, we'll just go act all redneck. We'll get it. <laughs> what was what was the uh, episode that you were on? At? What was it called? So, uh, the new episode I was on was called Delicious But Expired. Okay. Episode 19. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I, yeah know, I was about to say, I don't even know what episode number it was this go-around. I was just... <clears throat> I remember going, and I remember getting drunk, and I remember coming home. So, talk a little bit about that one. <clears throat> so, God, I'm going to sound like an asshole saying this. I, <laughs> Welcome to the club, brother. <laughs> yeah, I try not to be. I, Alfredo and Jonah, the two guys that I went up against on Navy Strength Row, I love those guys to death. I consider them family. Me and Alfredo, Alfredo's come to my house. He's hung out with me. He's stayed here. We still talk as often as we can. I love those guys to death. But this new episode, going up against Kevin and Jeremy was the most fun that I have had in a long time distilling. It reignited a fire in me for distilling. It was stupid fun. Good. So did you guys do rum or did you do rum or what, what no. the... So what, what the concept was was they brought us out to this farm and there was a bunch of grade out as we call it down here, is cold fruit, right? And basically, we each had to go through all this cold fruit. It was peaches, strawberries, apples, muscadines. Excuse me. Here's some cornmeal lying around. Just all this fruit that you could <clears throat> with, but it was all just on the tipping point of turning bad, which is the best possible fruit that you can get. Yeah, say that's what you want. Uh, you want yeah, bad, it's like so. money, dude. I'm a kid in a candy store right now. So I got first pick to go through everything. And I grabbed as many peaches as my body could carry, honey, black walnuts, and that's it. I stuck to a just a, a, an almost traditional peach brandy, but I used honey as an added sweetener and the black walnuts in my mash to kind of give it a little bit of an astringency just to kind of create that little zing. Did you get a bitterness from that? <clears throat> About halfway through my run, I got a slight bitterness from it. It was really weird. It actually tasted like Kevin tried it, and he described it as taking a jar of peach brandy and walking past a Burger King at Lunch Rush. 
<laughs> like seriously, it tasted like a frame a flame grilled whopper if you had a jar of like a sip of peach brandy in your mouth when you tried it. It was the weirdest thing that I've ever experienced. And then three jars it probably later, wouldn't be bad back to being hundred percent peaches. I do like whoppers, as you could tell. Oh my god, same. <laughs> Kind of torn here. I'm kind of torn here. (laughs) (laughs) But it it ended up being just, I mean, I eventually, when I got further onto the run, I crushed up peaches and I started filtering my liquor over these super, super ripe peaches just to kind of boost that flavor profile a little bit more. So, final product was notes of peaches, honey, a slight nuttiness, and kind of a butteriness to it from the black walnut. It was great. I loved it. It was like 130 proof, but I thought it was great. Hey, you know, everything everything drinks best at a different <laughs> proof. You know, like, <laughs> sometimes it's got to be 130. Yeah, like, I, I love my sipping liquor to be a higher proof. Like, my barrel, my bourbon that I buy is barrel strength. The, the the hard well, the jars that I would keep were always high proof. I love I like mine high proof because I'm gonna dump it over ice, you know. So exactly. I like it. I like it a lot higher proof. You know, not saying I, I won't hit it out of the jar, but you know, more likely if I'm sipping on it throughout the night, I'm gonna dump it over ice. So you know, I can't be having no 80 proof dumped over ice. Then you know, I might, wow. might as well just made the old lady a mixed drink. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. I'll I'll take a jar of 120, 130 proof, and that'll just that'll be it. I'll kick back and take a couple sips every hour, every thirty minutes, and just kind of ride the night out, and I'm good. I'm set. I'm sitting pretty. It's exactly where I want to be. I thought you carried away there, but you said maybe not pretty though. So what? I've, I've seen you maybe get sitting, a little carried but you're not away. pretty. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> We all can't be blessed with good looks like, well, not like you, but maybe someone else. <laughs> oh, that's funny <laughs> shit. That is definitely not like Sean. So, uh, <laughs> so at, at the at the distillery that um, you're at, uh, what's your best seller there? What's the best? What, what you guys think? Oh, that vodka. You, vodka. Just vodka. vodka. It's a common thing. No matter what you do, no matter what you run, no matter what you make, and no matter what, how much heart and soul you put into something, if you're working at a legal distillery, vodka is always going to be your biggest seller, no matter what. And just flavorless alcohol that they can mix with whatever. Bingo. I mean, our, I'm pretty, I love our vodka. I, it, it's taken me a long time to really appreciate the nuances that come with vodka. No, wow. What kind of, what kind of base is your vodka? 100% corn. 100% corn. Just straight up, average, just corn. But with how we strip it and how well our deflagmator works on the still, it comes out just pure enough that you can't taste the corn until it's gone. Like once it's hit, once you get the Kentucky hug and it starts spreading through your chest, on the back of the palate, the ghost of that corn note comes through. And, you know they're gonna mix it with something anyways. It ain't like you know, people are gonna be like, "Hey man, it's, uh, let me get a shot of vodka straight." You know, <laughs> like, you don't hear that very often. So, yeah, they like it's infused or nothing. 
Yeah, you know, like, God forbid you get a, a jar of infused. Yeah, I know. God forbid. <laughs> Especially with berries or something. Who would want that? Yeah, I don't like berries at all. A piece of shit. <laughs> oh, Rigsby, I love you. <laughs> but anyway, oh, um, are you, are you a, what people would call a yeast snob, or do you no. just kind of... I mean, I'll, there are... I believe that different yeast strains have different jobs. So I use specific yeast strains for specific mash bills because I know that's what they were designed for and I know that's what's going to work best. But if if I'm at the Hillbilly Jam, right, and somebody walks up to me and is like, hey, man, I made this peach brandy. I wanted you to try it. And I ask, what would you make it out of? And they tell me bread yeast. I'm not going to turn my nose away from it. it. As long as you know what you're doing and you know how to treat your mash, and you know what steps you need to take with the ingredients that you have chosen, you can make something incredible. You can take a barrel and leave it outside and just let it sit and let it ferment from the wild yeast in the air. And it's going to turn out great because you know what you're doing and you know what steps you need to take to get that final end product that you're shooting for. Just just because I can't make something special out of certain ingredients doesn't mean that you can't make something special out of certain ingredients. And, exactly. and so you should never turn your nose up until you at least try it. And then you might like it or you might not, you know? <laughs> like, I, yeah, exactly. I am, I am very firm in my belief that snobbery is the absolute detriment to not, excuse me, not just the craft beer and craft spirit culture but the moonshine culture also snobbery will do nothing but divide and destroy yep because no one be able to just communicate and be like i like this i like this okay Mm -hmm. cool how'd you do it how'd you do it that's what is awesome and i've said it before you know everybody knows a lot of different shit you know some people know a lot about yeast some people know a lot about grain some people know you know it's just like you can all have a, a conversation about the simple shit and appreciate good liquor. You know, it don't all have to be some fucking research shit, you know, <clears throat> come up with in a fucking lab to be halfway decent. You know, the variety is the spice of life and you never know if you like it unless you try it. <laughs> and sometimes you got to try it twice just to make sure. But sometimes, you know, after the first time that you're not going to like it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you got you got the clean liquor out there, you know. You know, but you don't know how clean it is till you try it. Exactly. That's just, that's just how it is. So, you know, open your palate up, open your mind up, and, you know, and stick just, it in your mouth and see if you like it, I guess. I mean, sometimes sometimes day, a little south in your mouth ain't good enough. You got to have a little north. Yeah, you know. So. <laughs> I mean, to this day, some of, some of my favorite, some of the the favorite spirits that I've tried have been really weird ones. Like, um, Uzo is a great example. Uzo is a Greek spirit that is derived from white grapes. It's a brandy that's been, I think, triple distilled, but then is infused really heavily with star anise. It is 
100% licorice. And it is so, if you freeze it, it is so thick, it is almost like a syrup. But it is so tasty, especially when made into like a really nice cocktail. Or if you just like the taste of black licorice, if you take that and pour it over ice, it's fantastic. But it's super weird looking at it if you put it in your freezer and pour it. Because it's just like brandy thick times two. It, you can almost watch it and it's almost as viscous as almost like a syrup yeah but it's so (laughs) tasty and i thought i was gonna hate it and it was so good so good i really kind of wish i had a bottle there right now come think of it so um tell us a little bit about your uh competition that you went against the second round or the second um episode you were on so i went up against two leap at the time I wasn't working at this distillery. I actually went and competed one week before I started at my new job. I just want to throw it out there. Um, I hope he didn't beat you. Your boss didn't beat you up too bad about your uh, review that I gave him when he called me. <laughs> he didn't even mention it, but he will. Um, I will say he did mention Lisa Lowry, and he was kind of afraid of Lisa. Because Lisa threatened to knock his kneecaps. But, no, Johnny's great. I love Johnny to death. But, um, yeah, the the two guys I went up against, at the time, it was, I was still working in the woods. I hadn't gone legal yet. I was seven days away from starting on my new job. And I went up against Kevin Ford, who is the head distiller for New Realm Brewing Company. And New Realm is based out of Atlanta, about 45 minutes south of me. And Jeremy Myers. Jeremy works for a brewery up in Philadelphia, but he also works out of the country in Germany, building a brewery over in Deutschland. So both of these guys know exactly what they're doing, and both of them are incredibly knowledgeable in their fields. I was intimidated walking into the room and knowing their pedigree because I've just, you know, for four years, I've just run around around in the woods. Yeah. I've had one legal job working in the liquor industry. And that was just proofing down some stuff we were sourcing from like Canada and Venezuela at this little distillery about an hour South of me, but they were super knowledgeable in the art of distillation. Super nice dudes. We got along great. And we all just, even even off camera, we were trading notes on, you know, how how do you guys do this? Uh, how, how do you run your stills? How do you like building your stills? What's your favorite kind of yeast strains to use? They're super, I can't say enough good things about the both of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back. Well, I didn't get to watch your episode, like I said. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm just now getting caught up. I watched the um, Jason Harrell. Ah, yeah. The one who went. <clears throat> I was I'll tell so you what, pissed. Man. I was so mad. I was so you know, pissed off. Um, I get that, that. That guy's got all the props in the world that did win. But, man, I, I, I really don't understand how. I, 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 I just don't understand how he got it done. I mean – 
Oh. I know at first I I had to watch the episode back. I watched the first go around and I did not understand how he did not have cloudy liquor and how he did not have just so much water in there that it wouldn't have just destroyed any dislip that he had. Man, I mean, you 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 and I both know under and understand the live bag concept. All three of us do. So I had to watch it back and it was kind of subtle. But when he said that he was shutting his water off, I realized, oh, he's actually just continuously doing that. So he's shutting his water off to avoid the water leakage and collecting a little bit and then doing it again and again and again. So he's, he's filling it up, cooling the system down, turning it off, letting it drain, collecting what he can out of it till it gets too hot, turning the water back on, cooling the copper down, turning it off, letting it drain. It's just that cycle. It, I mean, he... He pulled a rabbit out of his hat, for certain. Especially going up against someone like Jason. I, I get you know, it and and well, that's what I was gonna say. You know, that's what uh, if they're really judging something. I mean, granted, each person was in a different spot, but you know, yeah. you got to you got to get it done. You know, at the end of the day. Exactly. You know, at, yeah. At the end, they said, you know, it's this is based purely off these two jars of liquor. Uh, you know, like so. You know, at least they, they they clarify like, hey man, the, the still building had nothing to do with it except to get you into the final rounds. Um, but this is just all about two jars of liquor. That's what we're going with here. Bingo. And so, you know, it made it a little more understandable. Like, oh, now I want to try both jars of liquor. <laughs> like, now I need to try them. Like, how can you tell me this and I can't try them? Like, I, I gotta know personally which one was best because and, I mean, you know. I- I remember when, you know, Jason, he started first building and he started seeing him going around all his stills and shit, man. And Jason's a real stand up dude. You know, I've talked to him. He's like, yeah, man, come on down whenever you want. Yeah, man. He built a, he built a work of art right there in front yes, of your did. eyes. And yeah, that, that thing was amazing. He, he built a Cadillac. <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah, right there for I, you to watch. <laughs> I dabbled in the idea of, of doing my own still building in building like traditional Virginia South submarine pods. And for the longest time I was debating it and debating it and debating it. And with with my job and everything I have going on in my normal life, there's no way I'd be able to do it. And then sitting back and watching Jason work, I'm just sitting back thinking like I wouldn't even been able to compete <laughs> yeah, in, in like the normal market. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hours. stick to making mash. Like, I'm just gonna make some yeah, mash. Exactly. I'm gonna run the still. I'm stick to running it. Six hours to build a two-inch <laughs> column to go on a beer keg. There is no way I'm building a complete pot still in that amount of time. No snowball strands in the fiery depths. That's yeah, there's no way. No way. If I remember correctly, he had the uh, the pot, the cap, and I think the arm done in like four hours. Yeah. Like, yeah. Takes me about an hour to build a bucket worm. <laughs> you know, so, I couldn't imagine, exactly. man. Like the man is a machine, without a shadow of a doubt. I can't give him enough props. And while uh, since we're talking about it, uh, Kevin Gordon, the man that went on there and uh, uh, judged some of that, man, he uh, the he built some. Yeah, he built some fucking beautiful stuff. Yeah, he does. I to this day wish that when I had bought, when I had enough money to get a new home still, that I would have just gone through Kevin because I would still have it. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't have, you know, done something crazy like sell it off to some random dude in Ohio or anything. Yeah. And and then but, I definitely wouldn't pass it on to somebody else who no, pulls right. it up. You know, like, oh, oh, I don't think he's talking about that one. He's not. I'm just talking in general. You know, like Sean, you get stuff. Sean, get you get stuff, and then he'll pass it on and smile, and destroy it. When yeah, when to blow I, it I, over, or you know, I blow the pot up or it, something. You know, it, yeah. it, it it tragically gets lost in the lake during a boating accident. It's it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I told you about that hide, but anyway, I had a real nice. It was an octagon shaped pot that Rick, Rick Gibson's brother built years ago and uh it went to a distillery he was looking for something a little bigger than what he had and Uh so it it went there and he he sardined that thing he was rerunning something he was rerunning some liquor some vodka uh and the elements got exposed in it and it just went I've had some still mishaps. I mean, I'm Now, we need story. (laughs) Tell us your best story. We want the best story. All right, so the the best still mishap story I have, it was on my 10-gallon North Georgia Steel Company, and Andrew Warnicke, one of the builders over there, can attest to this, to my stupidity. It was in my first year. (laughs) Ignorance, man. Ignorance. Ignorance, sure, let's call it that. <laughs> I was, I didn't have a pot to mash in with. I didn't have a cook pot. So I thought, you know, I'll just, I'll put my pot on the burner. I'll get it up. I'll get it up to 150 degrees and I'll just step mash in my pot. I kind of scorched a little bit of corn on the bottom and I didn't realize it while I was stirring it up, trying to scrape the bottom and make sure nothing stuck. And it scorched bad enough. And I didn't have a heat plate on there to separate my bottom seam from the fire itself. That I actually separated the solder from the base of my pot to the walls. And literally, completely ripped the bottom off of my pot. Thermal expansion. (laughs) (laughs) What? What did... Am I missing a joke somewhere? I'm missing a joke somewhere, ain't I? <laughs> so you actually melted the bottom out of your pot. I melted it because I mean, ever after you that, thermally incident, expanded it out. Yeah, the bottom. Thermal expansion, the bottom okay. of my pot. Only was Brian cool. was here, man. He'd love it. I love Brian. <laughs> what happened? I had so much scorched on the bottom. And the direct fire was hitting the solder joints that eventually the burn cake on the inside and the fire on the outside got to the melting point of the solder. And it just melted. And it just melted the solder. What, uh, what kind of burner was used? A jet burner? Banjo style burner? Banjo. It was just an old, it was an old turkey pot fryer okay. banjo burner. But ever, after that, ever since then, I always put a heat plate on and then turn the banjo on. Because I learned my damn lesson after sending it out to Andrew and saying, "Hey, man, I really, I really." Now, if you this remember thing. the first time when we were filming, there was a guy. I'm not gonna say no names. Mm-hmm. Uh, burnt, burnt the bottom out of a, out of one. 
Hold up a minute. I didn't hear this damn story. Well, we'll I heard discuss, this story. We'll discuss this stick, later. Stick around later. afterwards. In case you want to know, we always have it. Um, we always have a still talking uncut after dark. You know, you know where we we talk mega shit afterwards. So we're sorry that y'all can't uh, you can't be part of that. So uh, tell Sean to go live on TikTok, but all you hear is him talking. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, we've got we we've got we got a couple stories. So this is how this is how we learn stuff too. You know, like I know, I've know? heard. I haven't heard that story, but I've heard some crazy stories about earpieces, threatening judges. <laughs> I haven't heard nothing about that. All right, man, this is going to be a great after after hour show. I'm All right, well, that, that brings us up to the end. We're going to see y'all. Hellfire Brimstone. This is going to be good. Uh, so, what you before? You, I mean, we're getting close, anyways, but. Um, yeah. What's your favorite thing for you to make that you like to drink? I can't say the mash bill because I've it's it I call it the crown jewel. It is my absolute top tier favorite thing I've ever made. It's the highest rated thing I've ever made. And I call it mountain water. It's a hybrid mash bill between a whiskey and another kind of spirit. Now, when you say like a whiskey, a whiskey, are you are you talking like a bourbon mash? It was a bourbon mash bill, but it was a bourbon mash bill and another kind of spirits mash bill fermented together and then ran, then distilled. And I accidentally stumbled upon it just because I had I had the whiskey mash bill sitting around and I thought, oh, I've got this extra stuff. I wonder what this would do. And it created a flavor profile that to this day I would put up against anything anyone can make and blow them out of the water with it. It was incredible. It's funny because a lot of times when you come up with shit like that, I mean, at least I did uh, back in the day when I used to run with it, um, yeah. it was very unintentional. I'm like, damn, that's fucking good. I yeah. could, my problem is, is my memory's terrible. And I'm like, I don't remember how I did that. This is one of a kind. <laughs> See, <laughs> never going to be the same. My wife got me a book for Christmas last year. And it's this leather bound book with old school parchment in it. And it, it has jokingly been nicknamed the Moonshine Necronomicon at this nice. point. Nice. Necronomicon. Love you. Every. Everything that I make, every spirit, every flavoring mix, every yeast strain, every nutrient <clears> blend, <throat> the size, the amounts, everything gets logged in this book down to the ground. So then whenever I eventually retire, I can take that book and hand it to my son and go, here you go. Here's how you get started. Go to work. And then yeah. he can do it to his son and then his son and his son. And they can all add to it. Yeah, have you ever thought about doing like a, like like a barrel or something? Like fermenting in a in a no. virgin white oak or a used or a char white oak. Legacy barrel. Like a legacy barrel. Ooh. For your kid. Like, you know, take take you a fifty five take you a fifty five gallon barrel, whatever fits whatever, and uh, fill it up and just put it up somewhere. 
And tell your kids, man, when you turn 21, you know, that's that's for your party. You have your kids. If I ain't here, I'm always here. Be here for a long time. Hey, take a man a lifetime and drink 53 gallons of special liquor. It would. You know. I have eventually, you know, way for way on down the road, probably in about 10, 15 years, I'm sure. I will get to the point monetarily where I can open up my own distillery because that's always been that's always been the goal. Oh yeah, I will probably either in the woods run that and fill up a barrel and hide it somewhere, or make that barrel when I open that distillery and put it off to the side and probably make that one mash bill. I mean, realistically, you know, your grandkids, maybe even your great grandkids, are getting something out of that barrel. Exactly. And it wouldn't matter how old it is and how thick and oaky it is, it'd still be the best thing you ever tried. So bingo. It would be it's just because it was their grandfathers and their dads. Yeah, you know. Old legacy barrel. (laughs) Legacy barrel. Legacy barrel. Yeah, I've definitely thought about it. I just I haven't I know my rum from the show and from my first go round, I still have it sitting in my liquor cabinet. No, yeah, it's still there. I'm saving it for when Tuck turns 21. I'm going to hand him the jar. This That's is where it started. Cool. Now you can go. Yeah. Nice. Hell yeah, man. I think I got about that much left. Maybe that exists in existence. <laughs> and it ain't here. Oh, I yeah. got some of the heads. I mean. <laughs> I will say, I know where a lot of the liquor from the show is. It's in the state of Georgia. Hmm. It's at a um, it's at one specific location, and I have tried a lot of people's stuff. I tried all of the absents from season two. I tried all of the winning jars from both the final jars from my episode. I tried the mango habanero that Scott made. I tried who else? There's a lot of liquor sitting on that table that I got to sip. And it's probably still there. After 10, you just don't remember them. No. Yeah. <laughs> Plus it, was, it was a really long drive, and then it was a really sketchy ride home. Like... Uh, so what was your um, best experience of the whole ordeal of competing on uh, Master Distiller? And... If there was if somebody in the comments or just you know randomly watching and was thinking about possibly doing it, what would well, what would your advice be? Um, and just what would you tell them as you know, whatever. So the best experience that I can say coming out of this competition, <clears throat> doing it twice now, would be the friends. You got to rub it in, okay? <laughs> Look, man, I when was you... an alternate. I was a backup. I when had to show up. When you win, you only, you only need to. to go in there once. So yeah, exactly. Like, there's only three. There's only three good champ, three champions. Yeah. But um, go ahead. No, I would. I would. Um, I would definitely say it's the friends that I've made along the way. Because like growing up, where I'm from, and throughout my entire life, I've had four friends, five friends that I can count on at any given moment in time, up until I went on that show. And the the community and the family that I have gained by going on TV and being stupid on international television 
has led to a sense of community, a sense of confidence, and a sense of belonging that I never thought that I would ever feel in my lifetime. To anybody, anybody watching right now, anybody who watches this live stream after it's done, if you are contemplating doing it, if you don't think you're good enough, if you don't think you've been doing it long enough, just do it. Just, just bite the bullet. Because I, yep. I got on two years into running liquor, and I never thought it would go anywhere. And here I am, three years later, four years later, and I'm the head distiller of a craft distillery, putting out some of my best work that I've ever done because of the friends that I have made and the connections and the conversations and the knowledge that I've gained from all of these people. If you want to do it, do it. Don't second guess it. Don't think about it. Fill out the form. Go. Just be prepared to do it. Yeah, exactly. And everything and you, afterwards. And the only bit of advice I can give you is just be yourself. Like, don't try to be someone else. Don't try to hide who you are. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't have my vest on right now, but I am a backwoods Appalachian punk kid. So I would wear that cutoff vest with the patches on it and run around my hometown. It was an old version of it, but I had a vest like that, and that's what I wore, and that's who I am. If you're the kind of guy who runs around in you know cargo shorts and a black T-shirt with a backwards hat, that's you. Be yourself. Be kind to your yeah. competitors. Help your competitors. Show your true colors, and it'll go further than you could ever imagine. That's awesome. There's a lot of people, man, that's out there that's, you know, it, I don't know, you know, I, I kind of want to apply or, you know, they just don't know. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'll tell you just like I tell anybody else, anybody asks me my opinions, I tell them, but I'm real about it. You know, I'm like, this is what's expected. If you go on, you lose. If you go on, you win. That's expected. You know, but I'm honest. I'm like, I'm still waiting. You know, um, yeah, so make that. So, so if you want to go on there and you're willing to wait, be ready for it. Be re Be ready for it. I know? even told Kevin about you when he won, and we went back to the table. I told him, "You're gonna wait a long time." Sean Rigsby, message him, talk to him. This is what you're in for. Now that you've won, congratulations. Welcome to the next step of your program. It's like 13 steps. <laughs> Admitting you have a problem with winning the show. Accepting the fact you're going to wait six years for a jar. As, as long as they make it happen, you know. At exactly. the end of the day, if they I make wish. it happen, then it's like, all right, all, all, all's forgiven. Ohio. All's forgiven. Wish. I wish there was something we could do and more than what we have already done. If, if I could, if I could have found Greg on set while I was there, I would have personally gone up to him and said something, but of course he wasn't there. They don't figure it out. Don't get to figure I'm it sure out. They will. And I can't wait. And I will be there for every single jar release from two for till five and onward. Well, I mean, because it might be, you know, all in one weekend. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Shut down Gatlinburg. Thirty people selling jars. 
if that's what it takes, you know, get I mean, it done. If that's what it I'll takes, hell yeah, let's go. Get it done. Let's you know. I would think everybody's open for anything right now. Like, let's just get it. Let's get oh it. Oh, so. yeah. Put some GNS in my jar and add some berry flavor, man. Call it a day. It's not difficult. It's not. Especially now that I've been on the legal side of things. It's really not. 700 anyway, gallons of liquor is ancient. Anyway, guys, it's been a great show. <laughs> yeah, we've been on here long enough. We're getting <laughs> to the end. So, uh, we appreciate everybody hanging out. Um, Sean, you can take us out if you want. But, uh, yeah, everybody, y'all have a good night. And uh, shine on. And y'all get to Flat Rock Distilling Company or anywhere in North Carolina. Buy some of uh, Flat Rock's liquor. Do it. Shine on. If I may say one thing before we leave. Yeah, whatever you want. Go dogs. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, eight. <laughs> Man, it's going to be a good after show. 